to use music when we are having yoga and meditation practices. Yes. It's the best. It's great. You remember when we did the, what is it called, the technique? The humming... Um, oh, the, what is the name of this pranayama? Brahmari. Brahmari, yeah. yes. Practice. That was one of the um, peaks in our last teacher training when everyone was just laying down and, yeah. and did that humming yes. together. Yeah. All right. Enough about music. Yes. We both have love for music and singing. And yes. um, next year we will release an album. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Everything is possible, right? Fall in love and stay there. <laughs> yeah. Or just uh, enter the singing booth and stay there. Yeah. I'm watching this um, Netflix documentary about Jimmy Levine. Yes. Jimmy, how do you say that? His name? L- uh, Levine. Levine. Okay. And Dr. Dre. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he, you know a lot about Dr. Dre, but this Jimmy guy, he's really interesting to watch. And uh, the way they were working in the studio back in the 70s, yes. they had to stay for hours. And he had Bruce Springsteen coming in, and these guys are just obsessed with music. <laughs> he didn't even want to be in the studio, but. They could be there for 12, 14 hours and you just stay there and stay there and stay there. and Until something cracked open. Yes, yes, kind of. Yeah, so I, it, sometimes breakthroughs come from insisting, right? Yeah. To stay there and it's like, okay, at one point you start to lose shape, your, your hair start to stand up, you are like... You know when you... Yeah, because when people are doing music, they are connected to the source, right? And uh, it comes out in creativity, like art or books or mm-hmm. music. Then you just follow. You follow something you can't describe. Yeah. And you just stay there. And and sometimes I can be the same way. I can get so obsessed with something, and I can't sleep. I can't eat. I just have to. I don't know what it is, but I just have to get it done. I have that sense with a book that I'm writing. I have all these post-its on the wall like 100 different posters with different things that I move around. And last night I was putting things in the dishwasher. So uh, it wasn't like really a profound thing. But then a thought came by, like was like right across my heart. It was like, okay, this is it. And I left everything over there and I ran towards my office and I started writing post-its and moving post-its on the wall and then a sense of this is it of release it was like okay now it makes sense and then I came back and my husband said are you okay yeah 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 Yeah, I had this idea because it looked like you were running towards the toilet and I said yeah I can relate to that feeling because it was a sense of liberation because something just made sense for me and i have this sense of like but re- did you rearrange all your post-it notes on the N- wall because all i've them. seen that wall and it's yes. i don't know how many post-it more than 100 yeah <laughs> uh, i i moved a couple of them mm. because i realized that 
to create like the frame of what I wanted to tell in the book, I had the problem of where to start and where to end. And I remembered that I had um, the idea of writing a book about chakras and I started writing about this. And then I finished a teacher training in Buenos Aires and I went to London with my husband. And I had this mala, this mala beads that had been with me since I started, since I did my teacher training and everything. And it broke. The rope. Was uh, this before or after your injury? No, it was it was prior. I was in London prior. So this is prior your prior my surgery. Okay. Mm. So it broke. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, because this this had been with me since I had been in the ashram for my teacher yeah. training. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I, I I know that when that happens to Amala is because you achieved, hopefully, the the potential that you were trying to imprint in the oh in I didn't the know that I didn't know that uh, you you choose a mantra you use yeah. the same mantra over and over mm -hmm. again and when it breaks is because that potential is liberated yeah and my my mantra was related to Ganesh to to uh, release or destroy all obstacles. And after that, everything went south. Everything was like a complete chaos and mess. But why do you think everything went sour when you were completing a cycle? Or shouldn't it be a good or was that it, beginning of a new cycle? I, I think it was the beginning of a new cycle, but I got really scared because it was... It was like it was a constant. Everything changed in my life so many times. From that moment where the mala bead broke. From the moment that I got the mala beads, because I then I started my yoga journey yeah. and I still I stayed with these mala beads for a lot of years. And then when it broke, it was like okay, something's missing. I was, I felt odd that I didn't have it around my neck, yeah. and I knew it didn't make sense to tie it up together. Yeah. So. Um, then I went, I went to London. I felt I was going to die there. And when I came back, I got my diagnosis and then I got into, into surgery. And one year, I didn't have any mala beads. Okay, but I feel like the mala beads was almost like a warning. Yeah. I, I, when I... I realized that last night. Oh, you realized that last night? Yeah, because because when, when you tell the story, sorry, yes. but when I just yes. get so when you tell the story, it's just obvious because that's why I said I haven't heard that the mala beat should break when you end something. I don't know where where that's from, but um, it's in the Hinduistic tradition. The mala beads are uh, tied together with a cotton uh, thread. Yeah, and when that cotton thread gets broken, yeah, then it's the <laughs> mantra that you were working with is liberated into yeah, okay. but i i didn't want to release that mala beads those mala beads uh, those had been with me all my i still have them yeah but i don't use them uh and i felt uh, like a sensation like like loss because you could have when that happened you could have felt oh i am liberated now yeah you could have turned it into something good but yeah, actually yeah. you felt that bad about yeah. the I, I, beads breaking. Yes. Even if you've been taught that it was a good thing. Yeah. 
I, I felt okay. Now there is something missing. I yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do, and all the obstacles that I had then, I, I was trying to prevent myself from something going wrong. Yeah, being uh, vegan, almost a vegan, practicing yoga meditation every day, um, and clearly I couldn't. And then I went. Uh, I had no mala beads for more than a year. I went to the TEDx uh, talk in uh, the Dominican Republic one year after a surgery. And when I came back um, to Buenos Aires the next year, uh, someone gave me a, a new mala bead. Uh, <laughs> and an, this is the one that I still have today. I'm not going to tell you what the mantra that I'm using is, but it's... <laughs> now uh, you have to. <laughs> what, what? Oh, I'm not going to tell you. You can just it's whisper. A, um, it's a, a mantra connected with the, like, the connection between the real and the unreal, the light and the dark, the mortal and immortal. Is Asa Tomas Ad Gamaya, Tamas Omaj Oitir Gamaya, Mirtior Amrita Ad Gamaya. May the unreal become real. May the darkness become light. May the mortal become immortal. And that is the one that I have now. And I realized that everything happened between I didn't have the beat. That what I want to tell in the book, it was like between this, yeah. this mala so broke. So the, the book will start from when the mala broke because that, yeah, is kind of the beginning of yeah. the journey where, yeah, and then you discovered that you had a brain tumor shortly after that happened. Yes, but when you look back before the mala beans broke, do you feel like it, it, life gave you other clues that something was off? This is something that's very interesting because my mom yes. died of cancer, and um, and she was healing other people with cancer. Yes. <laughs> so that was kind of a paradox that she died uh, so fast. But uh, me and my dad spoke about it and, and he said she had all these clues, you know, but she she didn't want to listen to them because I, of yes. fear. Yeah. In, in retrospect, I think I had them. Um, when I was 16 years old, I wrote uh, a piece about a guy dying of a brain tumor. No. Yeah. And when you were 16. When I was 16. And when I went to do my checkups, um, because I had some symptoms and all that, um, everything that the doctor said, I felt like, no, it's, it's not that. It's not was, that. Was, this is not enough. Was this... Before you uh, discovered the tumor, yes, because so you I were feeling bad, you were feeling sick, and then you went to the doctor to just have a checkup, and then yes. they didn't find anything. No, or? they first they said it was vertigo, it was connected to the ear. Then I was losing strength in my left arm. Uh, I lost my night vision. I had uh, mild um, high pressure in my left eye. I my left tonsil was like super big compared to the right one. Everything now that I'm telling you clearly feels connected, but uh, the health system doesn't see you as a whole. So it was mm. like, okay, I go to a throat doctor and he said, well, you have the left tonsil enlarged. 
you go to the optometrist and he says, yeah, yeah you know what, because of your age, it's, it's natural to have a little bit more pressure in the left eye than the right one. Mm. Um, when you go uh, to check your ears, you say, well, the right ear has more, yeah, you have, uh, your hearing is better in the right ear than the left one. But since you're left-handed and you had been using maybe mm. the phone too much, on the, it, that, that happens a lot. You, you have less hearing in your dominant hand side. And everything had a justification. But for me, it was like... Yeah, I, you could feel that something was off. There was something off. Mm. And I... 2017 was the first year that I did the teacher training, uh, living in Norway and then traveling to teach. Mm. And I finished that training and I wanted to do something nice with my husband. So we went to London and we did everything that we, we wanted to do. <laughs> we booked like uh, like a nice hotel. We went to have afternoon tea in a great place. Mm. We went to see the Harry Potter play. Uh, we went to parks and we did everything. When I think about it, it looked like it was going to be my last trip on earth because <laughs> yeah. we did everything. Yeah. And then I got into, my husband likes to buy second uh, secondhand vinyls. And I'm going to tell you this now. My husband doesn't know my version of what happened. My okay. husband left in the morning to go to Angel, to um, a place in the south of London to get uh, a couple of um, yeah, second-hand vinyls that he wanted to get. And I was having a very strong headache, so I decided to stay at the hotel. I said, you go... We needed to go to Harry Potter's experience later. So it was like, you go, we meet later. And then I went to the toilet and I was going to shower. And I had like a blinding pain. And I fell onto the floor and I thought I was going to die. Like literally dying. In my mind, I was like going back and saying, okay, did I do everything that I wanted to do? If this is the moment, this is the right place. I said to my husband that I love him. I finished this beautiful course. I am in a city I love. If this is it, I am fine with it. And I passed out. <laughs> wow. I Can I stop you there? Yeah. Wh what, what makes you think? Uh, you know, we all have been sick or yes. have experienced things or maybe fainted. And mm -hmm. What is the difference when you feel like this is it, I'm going to die now, compared to, uh, let's say, when you get food poisoned or you just have a lot, a lot of pain, but you don't yes. think I'm going to die? Here it was the sense of me leaving my body. It was, okay, my body's not responding anymore. I feel I'm losing life. It wasn't pain. I, I I don't know. I had headaches because of my brain tumor, but <laughs> I I had kidney stones that are super painful. I had panic attacks um, when I was in the corporate world, but nothing it, was compared to this. No, I always had the sense that whatever it, it was uncomfortable, super painful, and I needed to overcome it. This it felt like the end of the road. It, it felt okay. like, okay, th this is It's it. like something you have to experience to understand. I feel, yeah, maybe it is. But I don't know if someone fainted and 
you feel like the world around you is dissolving and that your body is not holding you mm. anymore. Uh, when I was younger, I, I, I could faint sometimes, but yeah. I never, that was never linked to a feeling of, oh, I'm going to die now. Uh, uh, did you ever dream about falling of a cliff, for example? Yeah, but then I just say, okay, this is it. Yeah, okay, well, <laughs> that's the thing. This is it. This is it. There, there's no way out. Yeah. I woke up uh, some hours later in a puddle. I'm not going to describe, but like mm. complete mess. I showered myself the best that I could. I dressed up. I sat with a cup of tea in in the kitchen of the the kitchenette of the the hotel room we were and I waited for my husband to come back and he said okay uh, how are you yeah well I I, I took a painkiller I I feel a bit nauseous okay do you want to cancel uh, because we can stay no no we had been we bought this ticket so many months ago mm. and we came here for this let's go and do this and, and you we didn't, went and you didn't tell him no I didn't tell him what happened because I couldn't believe I was alive after that. It was like, okay, <laughs> this this is something. I'm going to see this Harry Potter show, if, even yeah. if it's the last thing I do. Even if, 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 I, I don't know if this is going to happen again. I don't know what the fuck it is. And my husband told me, you're snoring in a very strange way that night. Yeah. And so we came back the next day to Norway. And I went to a doctor and told him, I don't know what's wrong, but clearly it's not anything that you told me. Yeah, so you went straight to the doctor. When yeah, you, I yeah. went straight to the doctor. Mm. And that I told the nurse that was uh, in the front desk. And she said, you know what, your doctor is not in. Uh, she's uh, giving birth, so you have a replacement. So I went in, I started to talk with this guy. Funnily, he was very connected with Argentina. He's a fan of the Rolling Stones, and he travels to Argentina mm -hmm. to see Rolling Stones because he feels that that is a magic, different experience. Um, and he said, are you interested in taking an MRI? Uh, I said, I, I would do anything. Yeah. I, am, I don't know, because and he said, maybe it's the neck. I don't know. You can, you can try. Yeah. So I asked for an appointment. The appointment was like, like three weeks in the future. And I told him about this. He said, yeah, let me, let me make a couple of phone calls. Like, I'm very cool and relaxed. So uh, a couple of days later, I went to, to do the MRI. And I finished the round, and the doctor, the, the technician said, are you, I would like to use, uh, uh, sorry, I forgot, he said. I, I, I need to use contrast in this. Okay. And how long is it going to be? No, no, you, I will need to do like 15 more minutes. I was like, what the fuck? Have you already done an MRI? It's no. like being inside of a toothpaste tube. It's yeah, like, it's the small, it's, uh, very, it's the white machine, yeah, the white right, machine that, that is into. very narrow and you're there not being able to move with very loud sounds. I, I haven't broken a bone in my life. Uh, yeah, that, and I that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Keep it this way. I trained people to go to MRIs using like special sounds and everything. And when I was there, it's like, what the fuck? I had been cheating all these people all my life. This is so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy got me back into it. 
And I arrived home and I started like having my clients online as I usually do. And I saw um, um, a phone uh, that I didn't have registered calling again, again, and again, and again. And I had to say to this woman that I was talking with, I'm sorry, I need to cancel because I don't know someone is calling me and it seems like it's urgent. And the doctor said, I am sorry, there is no right way to tell you this. Um, are you with someone? No. Okay, we will figure that out later. Uh, there is a mass. We found a mass in your brain and you need to go to the hospital right away. I don't remember what happened between that moment and when I saw my husband. I thought that I met my husband at home. Mm. Apparently, we met in Stortinget. I don't know how mm. I got there. I mm. have like one hour and a half that is blank in my mind. And but you had a tumor. Yeah, and I was in shock. I, I asked the doctor, I don't know how many times, is it cancer? Is it cancer? Is yeah. it cancer? And he said, you know what? It doesn't look like it. There is no way to know it. It would be good for you to get it checked as soon as possible. But why the urgency? Well, you have some kind of swelling. It would be good if you can go and get it checked. He was trying to be cool. Mm. Uh, when I arrived to Ullevar, they said that they couldn't believe the amount of swelling that I had in my brain. So I could have a stroke, like Any day. possibly possibly what I had in in in, in London, London was, was a mini stroke. Was mm. some sort of uh, reaction to the swelling. Mm. Uh, Luckily, I didn't have any neurological damage uh, that was permanent, and I could recover a lot of things after the surgery. But that was like the turning point. So when I saw the mala breaking, because I was trying to concentrate on my way back to from London to, to Norway, I was in the plane and I was doing meditation with the mala, and then it broke, I was like, no, 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 no. And when I think about it now, after last night, it was like, okay, all this was piling up to this moment where I clearly see, I was like trying to create a wall and hold a wall for things not to change instead of flowing with what yeah. I needed to change. Yeah. And I think that one of the most important things that this experience taught me was not to try to be in control and to live with the impermanence and to live with the changes mm. instead of trying to create this perfect lifestyle that is going to save me from no it's not going to save me from anything yeah is a that i realized that last night when i was putting things in the dishwasher it was like okay this this is the frame now i understand what i had been doing i was like talk to the hand no no, no <laughs> nothing is happening <laughs> and on the other side Something was brewing inside of me, asking me to take care of this. Yeah. But when you say, when you explain it like this, do you believe that this was created by some kind of control need you had, or the tumor, or my lifestyle? Yeah, your lifestyle. My lifestyle was created from fear. Yeah, and the fear came of you wanted to control your environment, yeah. or yeah. Mm. Because if your life is not controlled by love, it's controlled by fear. Yeah. Right? So 
everything that I created around, it wasn't, some people say, oh, this is nice because you went into yoga uh, to become a better person or to mm. enlighten yourself. Or mm. I was trying to control things mm. so I could ensure that nothing was going to get fucked and up. And I think this is very important to understand when uh, when we are taking just a few lines out of a bigger uh, thing. Like, your thoughts can make you sick. Like, my, yeah. when my mom said, uh, you have to let your emotions out because if not, you will get sick. Or if people think, if I think bad thoughts, I can get sick. That's not really the case. You have bad thoughts and that creates a pattern that again will create what you said, lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So everything is connected. So it means that your thoughts in itself, they can't make you sick, but the thoughts can affect your choices your and your actions. And, and in the big picture, that is your lifestyle. And the lifestyle makes you sick. The neuropsychologist that worked with me after the surgery, he said that luckily I had yoga because... Mm. He said, I don't know how you did it. Because of the level of the swelling that I had, I had a very fed up recovery in, yeah, in some I things. I remember you called me and you said, Kim, I have to tell you something. Yeah. And then it was like a couple of months later, like, yeah, when can, when can I start teaching again? And I'm like, uh, you will not start to teach yet. <laughs> I know, I want to. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is that I had to apply to myself everything that I taught mm. to others yeah. in terms of meditation or resilience or, okay, it failed, it doesn't matter. Do you need a cane to stand up? Use it. You need a walker? Use it. You need to ask for help for someone to shower you or to clean your ass. You know what? Let's start with that. It will move forward. And that it was the first thing that I asked the doctor when he told me, okay, you need to go to surgery. And was like, okay, am I going to be able to practice yoga again? My husband was by my son and he looked at me like, why is this so important? Because there are other things that were more important yeah, than can that. Can I walk and can, can I, I be move able my to, arms? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, am I going to lose the hearing? or Because some people lose or yeah. hearing or sight or... Yeah. the movement of the side of the body where the tumor is because it, the mind was in the cerebellum, which is the part of the brain that controls the whole half of the body. Mm. I'm very curious about the answer because you can hear all these stories where doctors say you will never yeah. walk again or yeah. you will never this again. And you see over and over people are proving he wrong. Uh, um the neurologist that the surgeon that worked with me, he looks a lot like um, like Batman, like Michael Keaton. <laughs> and that gave me like a sense of trust <laughs> in what he said. It was funny because it was a, it, it is a it face that Batman. I already knew. <laughs> yeah. And he was Batman. He said, I saw very amazing things in my life. And I believe that you can do i don't know you, you're going you, want. you can do <laughs> you can do whatever yeah you will have a lot of tools also this is a uh, good country that's a good it's answer is yeah. a good moment to have this kind of surgeries i do maybe 50 of these surgeries a year and this is one of the best 
hospitals in the north of Europe for this. So mm. uh, whatever it is that you have after the surgery, we're going to work it out. So don't don't get fixated on that. That was what he said to me. And to my husband, he said, you know what? I need to inform you because you're his next of kin. Mm. We don't feel that anything is going to go wrong, but these are the possibilities. Yeah, but uh, he said that to your husband and yeah, not, not to, to you. me. Okay. Uh, because he was afraid of my reaction. Mm. And I was worried about to be Yoga. able to hold the practice that made me possible to go through this. Yeah. It was a very strange experience in that sense. Yoga taught me a lot and it helped me a lot during my recovery also. I don't know. I think I can live with other things that I lost. I lost the possibility to do certain things that now I feel that they are very little. I, I don't I don't miss them anymore. And it gave me a lot of new things. I can see again at night. I I don't fall asleep in parties. I <laughs> I laugh more. So I think that the idea of the impermanence of not being uh the first thing that I wanted was to try to come back to the person that I was. And that person died. Yeah. I learned to love the person that I am now. Let's keep it ever evolving and not be set with certain things that you want to have in your life in the future. It comes and goes, and today is this and tomorrow is that. Impermanence is uncomfortable, but it's also leaving everything in the in the territory of possibility. Everything can happen. Mm. If it's sad, if it's this, and we want the security, right? Mm. But do but you feel like you lived very in the in a set? Not anymore. Mind? No, but before the before that, there were fears that I was trying not to confront. Yeah, and I wanted to have some sort of control in my life. Even though I was a yoga teacher, but I you traveled. were aware of that before no. this happened. No, no, but I wasn't. okay. So this is something that you were conscious of after. Yeah, I thought it. I was a free person that oh, really enjoyed okay. what I was doing. Yeah, that's and, uh, interesting. So you wasn't even aware of that before this no, happened. No, no, but you I could no see idea. it so clearly now. Now, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, it, it's a funny thing because when people see you from the outside they see the same person mm -hmm. because it's kind of the same face and the same voice. But when I hear myself in the recordings or when I see pictures or when I see the emotions that I have now that I didn't have then, it's a completely different person. Yeah, I had to learn to love the person that I became. I think that Tantra and Yoga helped me a lot into that. Yeah. Wow, that's... Uh Thank you for sharing. Thank you so intense, much. Uh, story is a uh, that that's what happens when you go to the dishwasher and yeah. <laughs> By the way, it started with the <laughs> dishwasher, and you say, "Yeah, it's 
just a just a thought. I I need to. Yeah. Um, I, I feel not a profound thing. Not a profound thing, but there are moments of realization. Everything can be profound. Yes. And you know, one of the biggest tantra teachers met his uh, teacher in the fish market selling soup. So, yeah. It's very yeah. tantric, this story. I, I believe that there are moments where we can find ourselves in the most... Uh, mm. Yeah, the, the, the only thing is awareness, to yeah. just to be there with whatever comes. Thank you so much. Thank you.